Scripture lesson this morning is from Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 13. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things. For now we know only in part, then we shall know fully. Now we will see, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For Someday I will know fully, even as I am fully known. Now three things abide, faith and hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Friday afternoon, my wife comes home in her sexy tennis duds and she's pumping her fists and raising her arms like she's just won the Australian Open and she says, yeah, baby, you should have seen me at the net today. We crushed him. We destroyed him. It was a little scary, actually. (laughs) And so then after 36 years of marriage, I finally figured out what happened. You should never marry a tennis player because love means nothing to them. Well, you know Kathy, so you know I'm kidding, and you'll forgive my painful pun, but never marry a tennis player is just a simpler way of saying what Paul said in his famous poem to the church at Corinth. He says, when there are no sermons left to preach and no preachers left to preach them and no congregations left to hear them, and even the almost timeless church herself has passed away, and even the universe she tried to brighten has been silenced in the big freeze, or torched in the big crunch, at the null point of everything that exists, three things will still abide, faith and hope and love. 20th century American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr has a nice little gloss on Paul's beautiful words. He explains why faith, hope, and love are essentials to human existence. Life is short and life is small, says Niebuhr, smaller than our ambitions and our dreams, but with hope, that's long and it amplifies our vision beyond our own demise down the years. Life is short and life is small and life is a mystery, as that renowned theologian Madonna once put it. Life is a mystery and will always confound the finite intelligence of the human mind. But if in faith we adhere to truths we cannot prove, and commit to principles that we're never sure will serve our own purposes, and forge fair laws that may have no meaning beyond our immediate context, then by faith we can run our excellent race. Life is short and life is small and life is a mystery, and life is lonely, says Niebuhr. Lonelier than we can bear. But we will be borne aloft above the storm by at least one person's towering adoration, and by many people's affectionate forbearance. Martin Luther King Jr. earned a Ph.D. from Boston University by writing a dissertation on 20th century American theology, and I'm pretty sure he was thinking of Dr. Niebuhr when he called Faith, Hope, and Love a magnificent trilogy of durability. And perhaps love has pride of place in that magnificent trilogy of durability because without it we die. Love suffereth long and is kind, writes St. Paul. It is not 
envious or jealous or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist upon its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. It is invincible to all the strong vices that threaten to cripple human existence. Envy, pride, discourtesy, stubbornness, irritability, resentment with which our lives are thickly set just now. Even death can't defeat love. Do you remember that little book by Mitch Albom called Tuesdays with Maury? There's this sports columnist in Detroit who is immobilized into inactivity by a newspaper strike, and so he decides to fly to Massachusetts every Tuesday to visit with a beloved college professor who is dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. And do you remember the last thing that Maury teaches Mitch, the very last thing Maury says before he leaves us. He says, death ends a life, not a relationship. Yes, death ends a life, not a relationship. We don't stop loving them when they leave us. Love goes on and on and on. Now, this is not the kind of love that made you swoon at university when you first spied that fetching freshman with the blue eyes and the long legs. This is not the kind of love that sent you into raptures of joy when you saw that Mustang at the Ford store and you just knew you had to have it even if it meant a second mortgage. This is not the kind of love that enraptured your attention for an hour when you first saw Botticelli's Annunciation. This is not the kind of joy you felt when you first heard Rene Fleming sing Thais. The kind of love Paul is talking about is not the kind of love that seeks beauty or yearns for beauty or discovers beauty. This is the kind of love that creates beauty. Even when there's no beauty visible there, that's the kind of love Paul's talking about. It's not necessarily in the beloved. That kind of love is in the lover. And it does not desist when beauty departs. It does not owe its existence to external circumstances, to the attractiveness of the beloved. It's like God's grace in that respect, which is free and unmerited. You know how Luther put it, right? God does not love us because we are beautiful. We are beautiful because God loves us. Do you know the name Thomas Lynch? Thomas Lynch is the most famous undertaker in America. He's a poet and essayist, but he also runs a small family funeral home in Milford, Michigan. Thomas Lynch is the inspiration for that old HBO show, Six Feet Under. And in 2007, PBS aired a television special about Thomas Lynch's work with the dying, the dead, and those they leave behind. And in that special, he told this story. Anthony John Verino was born with a genetic disorder called CFC, which led him, left him with multiple uh, disabilities, birth defects of the heart and the brain. He was blind. His eyes stared off blankly into the space. When he died at the age of 26 months, he'd never smiled. He'd never cried or made any other normal sounds like a normal baby, except when he was having a seizure. And his young, beautiful, 20-something parents were up with him around the clock from the day of his birth till the day of his death. And though they loved him deeply, he could never really fully love them back 
in any meaningful way. And at his funeral, his mother Nevada gave this eulogy without flaw. She said, there's a story that we like to tell baby Anthony. I'd like to say that we told it at bedtime, but that's not true because Anthony never had any bedtime. We were up around up with him around the clock. The factual story of Anthony was written for us in his hospital charts and test results. We like to tell him what we call the real story, our heart story, so that he would know how much we loved him just the way he was. And the story goes like this. Before you were born, Anthony, the world was just waiting for you. And your mommy and daddy were evidently very good. And so for a special reward, they were allowed to go pick out a baby from the garden of babies, where millions of babies were resting and waiting to be born. It was a beautiful place with so many tiny growing babies. And we walked the neat rows of babies and turned a corner and saw you. And we could see that you would have health problems and that there would be times of pain and frustration. But mostly, we saw you. We knew that you were ours. And in a language that parents and babies know, our souls and hearts can speak. And so your heart spoke such sweetness and love to ours. And even though there were hard times, Anthony, we would pick you over and over and over again every single time. We love you, baby. Could you say that? After all the hard times, we would pick you out every single time. That kind of love does not find beauty or seek beauty or yearn for beauty. This is the kind of love that creates beauty. And even if that mother told that story to Anthony every single day of his life, he never understood her. He never understood anything because he saw in a mirror only dimly. He only knew in part. But now he knows. Now he knows fully. Even as he is fully known, now he knows how much he was loved. And so that's why faith and hope and love is this magnificent trilogy of durability. And they will be here forever. And the greatest of these, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen.